You're listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. To find out more about the Whole Vineyard Church, go to wholevineyard.co.uk. Hey guys, great to see you all. Um, I'm Sam, so before Josh comes to preach this morning, we're going to have a look at our passage, which is all about the Easter story. So if you have a Bible, it'd be great if you could turn to Matthew chapter 28, and we'll be reading from verses 1 through to 10, which says this. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and, going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Well, good morning again. Good morning. Happy Easter. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Josh. I'm so excited to be here with you this morning on this incredible Easter Sunday. Today, we are celebrating the most significant day in human history. Do you realize that? We are remembering the most remarkable moment since the universe began. What happened roughly on this day about 2,000 years ago changes everything for everyone. A gasping breath, as we sang in that last song, in a cold tomb has rewritten the destiny of humanity for all eternity. It is the resurrection of Jesus. The resurrection of Jesus, this is the wildest, the most incredible, the craziest, the most beautiful news and event we could ever possibly imagine. And today we remind ourselves that Jesus is alive. Have you ever had a moment when something happens to you and you're like, life will never be the same since? Life will never be the same again. Have you ever experienced that? I experienced that nearly seven years ago when my wife and I stood here in this church and we got married and we stood opposite each other and looked each other in the eyes and said, like, I choose you. And I remember thinking, life will never be the same again. And then about 19 months ago, um, I had another life will never be the same again moment when uh, we had our daughter Ivy um, and when my wife kind of picked her up and we held her for the first time, it was like, oh my goodness, life will never be the same again. But those pale insignificance compared to my biggest life will never be the same again moment when I first tried McDonald's. (laughs) It was unbelievable when, you know, as a young boy, I tasted a McNugget. (laughs) Game changing. Easter is the ultimate life will never be the same again moment. Because if Easter is true, it changes everything. 
It means that we no longer speak of Jesus in the past tense. It is not he was, it is he is. Easter means that God is really real, that Jesus was who he claimed to be. It means that the cross really worked and we really can be forgiven from our sins. We can really experience new life. We can have our relationship with our Father restored and death has really been defeated. Are you excited about that this Easter morning? Because I am. The resurrection changes everything. I can tell you're excited. Be honest, has anyone had any chocolate already? Okay, some of you. Don't lie. It's church. So today we're going to retell the resurrection story, uh, the one that Sam read out this morning. And I promise you, as we talk about the resurrection, the risen Jesus Christ himself, who is here, present, will be moving among us and encountering us in profound ways. As we talk of Jesus this morning, some of you may experience, maybe for the very first time, a burning desire to get to know this Jesus. You may experience his wonderful presence, his tangible presence, just while you're sitting in your seats. Or you may just sense him inviting you, calling you to get to know him and share in his life. And then at the end of the service, we'll have an opportunity for people to meet him for themselves. Let me ask you a question this morning. What do you see when you gaze out at the world? When you step outside your front door in the morning? When you scroll on social media? What do you see when you turn on the TV and you get flooded with bad news day after day after day? Narratives of war and evil Corruption and confusion, anger and pain, grief and loss. Stories which have jumped out of the history books and have embedded themselves into our reality, driving roots of trauma and fear and anxiety through our life and through our world, shattering many of our foundations. What do you see when you look in the eyes of someone that is drowning in debt, unable to see a way out? or someone that's recently lost a loved one, or someone that hasn't eaten in days, wrestling against the system and against addiction? What do you see when you watch a family flee their homes and leave everything behind them to escape the evils of war? Let me tell you what I see. I see a world in need of resurrection. I see a world aching and groaning and longing for resurrection. Church, what do we have to offer a world in this state? What do we have to offer a world in the cultural moment we find ourselves, a moment marked with loss and grief and trauma? What do we have to offer? I want to submit to you this morning that all we have is Easter. All we have is resurrection. All we have is the risen Jesus Christ. And let me tell you, that is enough. He is all we need. Our world needs resurrection. And the good news is because of Jesus, resurrection is possible and it is available. Maybe you're here today and you've never heard the true story of the resurrection of Jesus. Let me catch you up to speed a little bit before we unpack our passage. This man called Jesus was born about 2,000 years ago in an obscure village in the Middle East. He was born to a peasant woman. Up until the age of about 30, he worked in a carpenter shop 
in obscurity, and then for three years, he was an itinerant preacher. He wrote no books. He held no office. He never owned a home. He was never in a big city. He never traveled more than a couple hundred miles from the place he was born. He never did any of the things that usually accompany greatness. And yet his life was faultless. In everything Jesus did, he demonstrated the endless, limitless love of God. He spent his time with those society considered worthless. He healed the sick. He he restored people's minds. He freed those in captivity. And he shared good news about the kingdom of God. John Stott wrote this. He said he never wrote a book. And yet perhaps all the libraries of the world could not hold the books that have been written about Jesus. He never wrote a song. And yet he has furnished the theme for more songs than all the songwriters combined. This was Jesus. The authorities condemned his teachings. His friends deserted him. One of his friends betrayed him to his enemies for a small sum. One denied him. He went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed on a cross between two thieves. And while he was dying, his executioners gambled for the only piece of property he owned on earth, which was his coat. When he was dead, he was taken down and placed in a borrowed grave. Many people have many opinions about this man, Jesus. Some think he never existed. Some consider him a prophet. Some think he was just a great human teacher. But when you read the accounts of the Gospels, you discover he claimed far more than that. Jesus made the wild, radical claim that he was God in human form. He was the everlasting, the never-ending, the creator, king of the cosmos, wrapped in skin and bones who had come to save humanity from ourselves and from our sins. This Jesus entered into our darkness to bring light and life and love, to show us what it really means to be human and offer us a way to escape freedom from slavery and ever experience everlasting life. And today around the world, over two billion people testify that this Jesus was more than just a good man. He was more than just a prophet. He was more than just a good religious teacher. He was God himself, and he is alive today. This is Jesus. And three days before that first Easter Sunday, Jesus is murdered, nailed to a cross. It looks like the end. It looked like a defeat. Jesus looked like just another Messiah wannabe who came and then went like all the others. It was to be expected. He is dead. The Jesus story is done, except that it wasn't. He's dead, but he's not. The Jesus story had only just begun. Let's unpack what happened on that first Easter morning. We're going to start in verse 28. This is what it says. After the Sabbath, At dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. This is the start of that first Easter Sunday. And it began in a moment of grief, agony, despair, and hopelessness. These women loved Jesus. They trusted Jesus. They'd followed Jesus. They'd put their hope in Jesus. And they had just watched him get publicly and brutally murdered. They had no expectation that Easter Sunday would end in resurrection. In fact, they are on the way to the tomb to put spices on their body. And in another gospel account, they are discussing how on earth they're going to roll away the stone of the tomb. 
Can you imagine how they felt as they are walking to the body of their friend, to a tomb, to a place of death? I imagine they felt completely hopeless, utterly lonely, an agonizing grief and heaviness, doubt, maybe anger. This is the atmosphere that surrounds these women on this first Easter day, the most significant day in human history, the greatest day in human history, begins in a moment of pain. I wonder if you know how these women are feeling right now. I wonder if you're in a dark place today, feeling the aftershock maybe of the last few years, living under the shadow of what's happened to you in the past. Maybe you've experienced some real pain or trauma or abuse. Let me say this, if you're experiencing hopelessness today, if you're feeling lost, if you're experiencing grief, despair, darkness, anxiety, guys, this is fertile soil for resurrection. This is fertile soil for resurrection because resurrection only happens to dead things. Resurrection only happens when we are at our lowest and worst moments. The greatest day in history began as one of the worst days in history. And God changed everything in a moment. Verse 2 says this, There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. Does anyone else have sympathy for the guards? Like, they don't get paid enough for this. I do. Verse 5 then says this, the angel then said to the women, now let's pause for a moment, because I want to hear and understand the words that the angel is about to speak and understand the gravitas of what is about to be proclaimed. These words that we're about to read are the first words in history that declare that Jesus is alive. This is the greatest news that humanity could ever have imagined. This is news that's going to change and shape the rest of human history forever. This this is dynamite. The PR department of heaven has been working on this for years. What is about to be said is huge news. How many of you know that the first time a speech is made by someone significant like a president or prime minister is important? It kind of sets the tone for everything else. I want us to pay careful attention to the angel's words as the angel announces that Jesus is alive. What is the first thing the angel says? Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. The angel says to the woman on that first Easter Sunday, do not be afraid. Into the darkest moment in history, When all seemed lost, God intervenes and gives this message, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. The resurrection of Jesus is the answer to every fear held by every heart of humanity. We live in a world today, don't we, that is gripped by fear. Fear of death, fear of the unknown, the fear of not having enough, the fear of not being enough fear of people's opinions, the fear of failure, the fear of sickness, the fear of missing out, or FOMO as it's called. We are all at some level slaves to fear. 
And yet with the resurrection of Jesus, this stunning invitation comes that offers us a way not to be afraid. In fact, this is actually the most common command in the Bible, do not be afraid. How is this possible? Well, the resurrection of Jesus shows us that evil does not win. The resurrection of Jesus shows us that death does not have the final say, that Jesus is victorious. The angel in this moment reveals to humanity that because of Jesus, because of the resurrection, we no longer have to fear Jesus is alive. There is nothing that we can fear in this life that isn't undone by the cross and the resurrection. For those that are afraid of death, the resurrection shows us that death has been defeated. Death is not the end. For those who fear the unknown, the resurrection shows us that God is bigger than even our greatest unknown. And he brings resurrection life to things that seem dead. For those that fear not having enough, we see a God who gave his one and only son to the world that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For those that fear not being enough, we see in the resurrection and the cross and the resurrection that God loves the world so much that he died for us. For those that fear what people think, we, we see a picture of how God feels about you. That the only one who's, the one who's opinion matters the most, cares for you so much that even if it was just you on earth, he would have sent his son to die for you. For those that fear sickness and suffering, we see a God who is not distant from our pain, but who embraced suffering, who went through the trauma and the trial of the cross. He knows what it's like to suffer. And then he rose again to show us that there is eternal life on offer where there will be no pain or sickness or death anymore. The cross and the resurrection is the answer to fear. The angel says, do not be afraid. How many of you need to hear those words this morning? Do not be afraid. What are you afraid of? What keeps you up at night? What gives you anxious thoughts and anxious dreams? I want to encourage you this morning to look to the risen Jesus who is alive and reigning and conquering. Death and evil have been defeated. Shame and guilt have been dealt with. To a world and a people dying and drowning and defeated, the resurrection speaks a word of hope and peace and joy. Jesus is alive. Do not be afraid, the angel says. Let's go on. Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified, he is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Jesus was crucified, and now he is alive. We can't separate out the cross and the resurrection. It's not like the cross was a loss and a defeat, and then the resurrection was somehow an undoing of that defeat. It is all a part of the same victory. In fact, the resurrection is like a rubber stamp seal of approval for everything that happened three days earlier on the cross. On the cross, the powers of darkness, the power of sin was defeated once and for all. And in the resurrection, we see Jesus triumph over death, hell, and the devil. You see, when Jesus was murdered, it looked like a failure. It looked like a defeat, but in reality, 
It was God's incredible plan all along. In fact, Jesus, it says in the text, just as he said, Jesus had promised that this would happen, though the disciples were unable to see it. Jesus, freely and willingly on the cross, offered up his life. Why? Well, the Bible says that Jesus died for our sins. Now, the word sin is kind of an old-fashioned word. It essentially means the things that we do that are wrong when we act in ways that hurt ourselves and others and God, when we think things that lead us away from love, when we disobey God and break his good boundaries. Many people think that freedom means they can do anything they want. But right now, we have about 8 billion people who are doing whatever they want with whoever they want, whenever they want. And how many of you know the world is a bit of a mess right now? That is not what freedom looks like. The world is more ruptured and splintered than ever before. The Bible says that every single one of us have walked away from God. We've walked out on relationship with him. We've chosen to go our own way. I know I have. I know I still do. There is a war in my body, in my mind, in my soul, a war between living for God and living for myself. And too often, I choose to do my own thing. And a consequence, the Bible says, of sin is, is death, the wages of sin. In other words, the natural payout of walking away from God is that our life crumbles. If you take a plant, you put it in a dark room, the plant won't flourish. Likewise, if you take a human being created for a relationship with a perfect father, remove that human being from that, we do not flourish. But here's the good news, God doesn't give up on us. We discovered real quick that it's impossible for us to make our own way back to God. We tried. We tried religion, and it burdened us. We tried other gods, and they were silent. We tried living for ourselves, and we ended up more empty and unfulfilled than ever before. We need God, but right now we have this barrier in the way called sin. And what people don't realize is that the stuff that we've done wrong has a consequence of disconnecting us from God. It's kind of like an overdraft in a bank. If I've got an overdraft and you've got an overdraft, I can't help you and you can't help me. The only one that can help us is someone in credit. Jesus came to clear our overdraft. On the cross, he exchanged his perfection for our imperfection, his righteousness for our sin, his glory for our shame, his beauty for our brokenness. He took it all on himself. Because of the cross, we can experience forgiveness from the past. The slate can be wiped clean. It is a gift that isn't earned. It is fully grace. It isn't bought, it is received to anyone that believes and asks to be saved. And then because of the resurrection, we can know for sure that that worked. And we can have everlasting life. Who's excited about everlasting life? If McDonald's is this good on earth, guys, how good will it be? In heaven, that's what gets me through the day. How good will a Diet Coke be on a warm summer's day in heaven? Because of the resurrection, we can know for sure that we have an assurance of everlasting life. Let me tell you a story. There was a very famous artist that went back to his small hometown where he grew up. He was walking around the old streets and as he stops in an antique shop window, he cannot believe it. He sees in in the front window one of his masterpieces. He painted it years ago before he ever got famous. The frame was broken. 
It was scratched, it was dented, the painting was dirty, but it was his. He couldn't go into the antique shop and say, do you know what, that painting's mine, give it back. If he wanted it, he had to buy it back before he could clean it, restore it, reframe it. That's what happened on the cross. We belong to God and he had to buy us back. He came into the world, into the darkness, into the mess. He died on a cross and by dying on a cross, he was purchasing us, purchasing for us forgiveness and freedom and an eternal hope for the future. This is the good news. This is why Easter is so crazy that anyone can receive this free gift and new life. Verse eight says this. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, Jesus said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Suddenly, Jesus met them. This is when the resurrection story comes real for the two Marys, when they meet Jesus for themselves. You see, guys, Christianity is not a religion. Christianity at the center is about a relationship with the risen Jesus. He is no longer dead but he is now alive. And because he is alive, we can meet him for ourselves. This is why Easter is so life-changing. Philip Yancey, a Christian author, wrote this. In many respects, I would find an unresurrected Jesus easier to accept. Easter makes him dangerous. Because of Easter, I have to listen to his extravagant claims and can no longer pick and choose from his sayings. Moreover, Easter means that he must be loose out there somewhere. Jesus is on the loose. He's not trapped in a tomb anymore. He's not bound in the pages of an old book, but he is here, fully present right now in this space, moving among us, speaking to us, gently beckoning us and calling us to follow him. And he is doing that this very morning. I believe that some of you this morning will have a suddenly moment a moment when suddenly Jesus shows up and opens your eyes to see him alive. Maybe you're here today and you, this is the first time you've heard this. Jesus is real and he wants a relationship with you. Maybe you've been in and around church for your entire life. You've heard the stories of Jesus, but you've never met him for yourself. Today is a moment where suddenly Jesus will show up. Maybe you've been a Christian for a long time. And if you're honest, you've kind of got into the cycle of church on the, the rat race of doing things for God. And you've forgotten the reality that it's about meeting Jesus. It's about experiencing his presence. It's about hearing his voice for yourself and receiving his love and affirmation and affection. Why? Because he's alive. He's not dead. We can encounter him we can experience him because Jesus is alive. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Hall Vineyard podcast. We would love to connect with you and welcome you home to church. To find out more, go to hallvineyard.co.uk forward slash connect and stay up to date with all that is going on in the life of our church 
go to hallvineyard.co.uk forward slash church news and sign up for our weekly mailing. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you soon.